Good morning, good evening, and good night to everybody listening to The Everyday Sniper, whether it's on your way into work or your way home from work. Um, we appreciate you guys listening. This is Mike from Mile High Shooting. And Frank from Sniper's Hide. And this is the latest episode of The Everyday Sniper. Everyday Sniper. Everyday Sniper. So we uh, get your uh, volumes adjusted. We stopped our last episode. We kind of, this is like a to be continued episode here. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we were getting into the weeds with our rifle setup and talk with scopes and rifles. So there's just gonna... so much to talk about, especially when you're entry level, even the, the seasoned shooters out there, there's still so much to talk about. And you may not agree with everything that we have to say, and that's fine. Again, it goes back to what is working for you. Heck, Mike and I don't agree. No, we're two <laughs> different people, man. <laughs> Absolutely. We're two different heights. Everybody thinks when I take a picture with Frank, I'm standing on a box next to him mm -hmm. but it what works for me is not going to work for him but what works for me may work for you and what works for him may work for you so try you know try a couple different ways what we're saying is not the way to do things it's a way right. to do things. there's so many i mean everybody's so different there's so many ways to crack this nut I mean, you, you gotta understand this is this is this is math and if you look at like three you know it's one plus or you know zero plus three is three one plus two is three you know, uh, four minus one, all these different ways to get three. What we're trying to do is get everybody to three, but how you get there, that's up to you. Yeah, that's your tactic. That's how you're going to do it. So um, let's continue on with some of the rifle setup stuff. Right. We were, uh, we were going to get ready to talk triggers or act, uh, triggers, I think. I already got the numbers. We're good with that. Yeah, we, we talked about, we, we left off on ballistics, basically. Yeah, shooting shorter barrels with higher or lighter bullets to get the velocity that we wanted out of them so and to, to be honest with you guys i am not a ballistic ninja i do exactly what adam tells me to do when yeah, we're reloading yeah. and, and when, a lot of people do and that's that's how you learn i'm still learning the actual making of the round and how i'm going to make it work for me um, i crunch numbers all dude i'm i'm in jbm constantly crunching numbers to see where different things fall. Uh, I'm, I'm constantly simulating, whether it's with cold bore, uh, Patagonia Ballistics cold bore stuff, because they have the error budget. It's mainly just like uh, applied ballistics. It's just a little bit different. Um, and he has extra pieces to it, but I'm crunching numbers all the time. I feel like most of the time when it comes to any of that stuff, I'm like, okay, uh, I'm an end user shooter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just need to get behind the gun. A lot of people get me are. behind the gun. Dude, this and is, I'll this make is some magic hobby. happen. This yeah, isn't I'll make some magic for people. Happen. This isn't their life, man. This is my job. That people don't understand. They'll argue all day with you, but this is my job. That's all I do. It, it, it is shoot and talk shooting to some degree. So we talked ballistics and we touched on chassis and and how to gain more accuracy and what to look for when you're actually buying a custom gun from somebody or mm -hmm. you're looking at an off-the-shelf ready-to-go gun and we're going to talk more and more about that as the as the season progresses but you know we went from left to right and now we're going from top to bottom we talked about the scope we talked about ballistics you want to talk about the action roll or you want to just jump right into triggers, triggers man triggers are the next most common question everybody wants to know about triggers man. triggers triggers so i'm triggered right now there are hundreds of triggers out there there is 672 triggers on the market correct yes <laughs> google that google it google that shit i dare you to call me rob <laughs> so they have all these different triggers out there and which trigger is going to work for you so when we're going through these guns I'll, I'll tell you what i'm using right now i really like two-stage triggers i'm a two-stage freak 
So it's something we agree on. There we go. We agree. Two stage. Two stage. So tactical shooters, two stage trigger. End of story. And the difference between a single stage and a two stage is basically you're going to have a lot of slack take up. You're going to fill the wall. And then you're going to have a nice clean break into your second stage. So your first stage is that take up. Your second stage is the mm-hmm. actual functionality of the of the trigger itself. For your single stage, I've shot single stage triggers where I, can, I get behind it. And I'm, I'm just you getting bre- ready to go. You breathe. And then all of a sudden I rip off around and I got an ND going down range. Yeah. And that's, to me, I cannot, I, I can't get behind that and I can't feel comfortable shooting something takes like a lot of training and practice especially in a tactical shooter to shoot a really eight light eight ounce trigger like that i don't recommend them i mean really for these things you shouldn't be below 1.5 you know if you want to hover around the ones okay but you shouldn't be that low i still shoot like a three pound trigger i might go down to two and a half i don't over under adjust my triggers because that makes becomes a safety issue too absolutely so, so it's to me, it's got to pass the drop test. Yes, got to you, cock your rifle, get it ready. No round in the chamber. Make sure you're safe. Everything's good, and drop it on its butt stock from about six inches off the ground. If it fires, you're wrong. That's the drop test. Yep. So make sure you guys are testing that stuff out. And um, safety is safety's huge. It, when the gun community is out on the news, it's usually because somebody wasn't being safe, safe. or somebody was doing something fucked up. And, you know, got a whole bunch of people hurt. What we're trying to promote here is, is you go out and you be safe doing this stuff and you will have a good time. Yes. You will absolutely so have who, a good time. So whose triggers do you like in, in, in an aftermarket bolt action trigger? I like XTSP, so Extreme Shooting Products. Mm-hmm. They're Mod 22. That is a very, very clean two-stage trigger. the CG Jackson? Did they rename? Uh, the Mod 22 is the Jackson Tom trigger. Myers. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I really, really like that trigger, and we do a lot of builds with that trigger. When somebody can actually get their hands on it and feel it, they're like, oh, my God. Yeah, that was what the Army went to with the um, The PS13. Yeah, the 13s and stuff, the CG Jackson. Uh, I'm a Trigger Tech fan. I like the CG Jackson. I have some, um, the Mod 22 triggers. I'm I'm a fan. I'm a Trigger Tech fan. I like their triggers, and then Timney's. Timney's are, are Tim, Timney is really really good. They've been in the trigger business for like seventy years, and they have a no bullshit lifetime guarantee. Actually, we were doing a newsletter for it. that's why I know that because mm-hmm. <laughs> had to cut and paste some stuff, <laughs> you know. Um, but cut. they have they have really really good triggers. I am a huge fan of their Calvin Elites. Yeah, and safety tip. Calvin Elites come at like eight ounces out of the box. Yep. So you watch out for that. You got to adjust them. But they have a two-stage. Yes. Calvin Elite. They do. So that's what really caught my eye. We have a gun that's in the showroom at Mile High right now that has a uh, a mod, Model 7 Calvin Elite in it. And uh, just come in and feel it. It is yeah, it's all super good crisp, stuff. super clean. And and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cause the, the people that have coronaries now don't like jewels. They break, mm. man. Jewels break. It's not... If it's just when, especially if you use your gun like we use them. If you go out in the sand and the dirt and all that, if you're if you're out in our conditions, you got to carry a bottle of Ronson lighter fluid to clean out a jewel. If you pierce a primer or do anything like that, you're almost guaranteed to break that you're trigger. Done. It's it's gonna break. You know, all the PRS guys who use jewels and swear by them carry two. Yep, and they'll have basically like a trigger hanger on the bottom mm-hmm. of their action. That and a trigger hanger is basically a cutout where you can install a trigger into this trigger hanger so that you can easily swap, swap out triggers. Right. 
So yeah, there's typically you know two triggers. The jewel's a bench rest trigger jewel. where yeah. it's babied and in all that. Highly adjustable, but not a field trigger. Not a field trigger. It's a, it's a nice trigger. I don't if, like their shoe either. If you want to abuse it. You need to go with somebody else. else. You got to go Tim Near that at Mod Twenty Two or Trigger or Trigger Tech. You know, we actually we have some Kdex triggers. I have one. It's not bad. It's a two stage. Two stage. Yep. If you look up the stats on Kdex about the just the trigger itself, they have a single stage and a, and a dual stage. We carry the dual stage ones. Um, if you look at the stats, there's almost there's almost nothing more you can adjust on that thing. Right. It, the the shoe moves back and forth. The, the poundage, yep, yep. And the, the travel. Um, you can adjust all of that stuff, and it's a really cool. The best field trigger in the world is an AI trigger. It's only got four parts in it, but you can't get it. Sorry, guys. Buy an AI. Yeah, buy that's an the, AI. That's the best trigger in the world. That's our shameless plug for Accuracy International. I love it, dude. I love an AI trigger, and I hardly ever touch them. And people, oh, it's got the travel behind. Yeah, break the trigger and stop. That's fine. A guy told me on my, uh, I was getting lectured on my YouTube channel the other day from this guy went to like six or eight videos and decided to lecture me on everything. And, and he, he was lecturing me. He had nothing to do? No. He was lecturing, I mean, and he was probably posting like 800 word replies in my YouTube channel. And he was lecturing me on my follow through asking, you know, were you advocates of follow through? Please explain to me. And I said to him, I just, I, I knew he was a troll. I wasn't going to feed him. But I said, dude, you do realize, here's my comment, you do realize follow through is a fundamental. And he says, no, it's not. I have a trigger that you can't follow through with. And I was like, okay, we're done. I didn't respond, didn't anything, but follow through is a fundamental. You break the shot and freeze and hold it. Follow through. Your, your, your rifle is a tuning fork, okay? Your point of human contact is the trigger. So you have a metal trigger, the shoe, which is, has two metal plates, which is attached to a metal action. And it, when you fire, it rings the tuning fork, barrel harmonics. Everybody is anal retentive about barrel harmonics. Well, guess what? Those harmonics travel through the action, down through the trigger. And when you move on that trigger, you're affecting the sound. So instead of a C note, we have a C sharp or a C flat. It's not a C note that we're trying to get every single time out of that tuning fork. You always hear drive the gun, drive the gun, drive the gun. The trigger is the steering wheel of your gun. Yeah. Basically. Mm -hmm. Anything that you do on that trigger is going to translate to the muzzle. It, like your gas pedal. You could feel the road and the car through your gas pedal. Absolutely. Triggers but if you same... try to pull out of a parking spot without moving your vehicle, there's right. a lot of friction. Yep. So you, now you add that motion into it and you're able to control a little bit better. I will, I will tell you this with follow-through. You can beat the bullet leaving the barrel because we're keying off the sound. We are subconsciously quick enough to beat the bullet, and any movement you put in the system will translate downrange. So that's why you have to understand your triggers, follow through on the trigger, and realize what's going on when you break that shot and it begins to fire. Everything takes time. The time is from the decision you have to break the shot for that signal get to get down to your finger and you take up the slack in your finger, move the shoe back, release the sear, which releases the firing pin. And from there, the firing pin's got to move. It's got to hit the primer. Primer's going to blow flash into the case. It's going to begin burning the powder. Powder burns. It doesn't explode. It burns at a rate. 
As the powder burns and builds up pressure, it's gonna unseat the bullet and push it out. Bullet's gonna move forward and hit the lands and grooves there and then start heading down the barrel, picking up 2,000, uh, 200,000 revolutions per mi uh, minute there and pop out in the end like a champagne cork. All that takes time. There is time in the lock time of the rifle, like four milliseconds. There's about six milliseconds for it to leave the barrel. And all these different things are going on as well as your decision-making process. But you can beat it. Consistency. Yes, sir. Consistency. You do the same thing over and over and over and over again. You should expect the same result. And if you're not getting the same result shot after shot, it's you. It's human error. Human error. So I was shooting a uh, match down in Raton. It's a local match that we have. Mm -hmm. uh, the Whittington Center. And this was three, four years ago. I was just getting into this sport. And I had maybe been out to the range a handful of times, three, four times. And Adam was like, dude, throwing you to the wolves. Let's go do it. Yep. Right. And that is how I learned. And I actually, I was shooting an AI for practice when we were out on the range, the three, four times I was out there. And then I didn't shoot for probably about two or three months. Mm -hmm. Didn't, you know, didn't have uh, the coaching that I needed. And we had just built a gun for Randy, our boss at Mile High Shooting. We had just built a gun for him, and he he really, really likes single-stage triggers. He's yeah. a shotgun trap shooter from way back. He's a prairie dog guy, too. He's a prairie dog guy. And he was like, here, shoot my 6 mil Creedmoor. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm feeling good. The boss let me shoot his gun. This is going to be super cool. Single-stage trigger. I don't have to put a whole lot of work into this, but I was used to shooting a heavy chassis gun. So then mm -hmm. I got this lightweight. Uh, I think it was, it was either a McMillan or a Manor stock that it was in. Uh, this lightweight gun. And I'm going to admit it right now. I did not get last place. Okay. I was second to last. I got I scored about seven points all day. And here's how I scored seven points is we got to the final stage. And Adam felt so bad for me that all I was doing was zeroing stages all day. And I was like, I swear to God, guys, I'm not that bad. <laughs> we got to the last stage and he had some leftover ammo and he was running that AX. And he was like, shoot my gun. Shoot my gun. Change triggers and all of a sudden you're hitting stuff. All of a sudden I was hitting stuff. Triggers matter, man. Triggers, trigger. Huge. That's your that's your point of human contact. Seven points. You can look that up. Yep. That's at the that's on the I'll, I'll give you my funny Raton story. So we were shooting ASC, it was 2007. We were all shooting the seven wisms. Uh, I was shooting a 175 at 2900 even. And what's a what's a wisdom? Uh Winchester short mag, okay. something like that. But it's a 175 going 2900. And so I had just came in second at ASC in West Virginia. So when I got home, Raton was that weekend. So I said, hey, I got my rounds and I got everything. The gun's dialed in. I'm going to go shoot Raton. So I go down there, my very first time shooting the sporting rifle match down there. And I shoot a 56 out of 60. I'm like, dude, I'm rocking mm. it. I'm on it. Mm -hmm. 56 out of 60. Came in second. <laughs> those guys man. I was like no I got nothing but love for those guys down they, there they, all they, they do is they shoot that tough. man they're on it they are tough if you want to go out and learn this sport honestly the local take, matches take local find match, these little local ones get your gun set up and go to a match and just get stomped and that is where you learn yeah. what you need and how you need to approach it and if you do need some training I was like immediately after that I was like I need some more range time by myself with a coach and I got that type of training and and move forward and if you don't do that you get to this match 
you get your dick stomped in the dirt yeah. and then you feel like you feel like shit. <laughs> you can either go, that's not gonna happen again, or I'm just done and I'm gonna sell my gun. Or you're gonna be a genius and just keep repeating the same mistake over and over and over again. Yeah, and and telling everybody it's your equipment. Yeah, yeah. Blame it on but it, it doesn't matter, man. You could guys do well with like I said, the two two threes, the three oh eights. Run your game. Don't worry about the other guy. Learn your craft. Run your game. And have fun. S- yeah. Set it up for you. Make sure this, like I said, invest in you. This is your rifle. This is your scope. This is your ammunition. Make it work for you. If you just default to what somebody else is doing, odds are you're going to struggle a little bit in trying to adapt to their, their way of doing things. Instead, if you set it up to you initially on, take a class, the, the, the detachment classes we got coming up. I was just about we to got, say, we got a class in May. Yep, we got two slots open in March. Uh, people had to change over to May. We got May open, and then we're going to be doing August as well. About every other month is how we're going to run it. And so take a class and learn what you need to do. It's worth the investment. Absolutely, it's worth the investment. Heck, it's to cheaper than going to a competition, a national competition for a weekend, and having to fly to another state that way. And yeah, and it also, you know, if you look at the the grand scheme and the, and the over the time that you're going to spend invested into this sport, you're looking at the cost of ammo, the cost of barrels, and the cost of equipment. If you're just like, all right, I'm going to go out there. I'm just going to send a thousand rounds downrange to just so I can get better. But you're repeating the same mistakes. Now, if you took that ammo that you were that you were going to spend on sending that thousand thousand rounds downrange and invest that into training, now you yes. don't now you don't have to send as much ammo downrange, and you can actually make it count when you go to the range. Yes, I'm, I, I, matches used to be a case for like for rifles only situation. They were holding matches before. But matches validated training. So that's something to, uh, to, to look at and to think about is that matches are validating your training. Action rail can't. Let's talk about that for a second. Oh, you want to do that? Yeah, I want to I go backwards a little bit. And 20 standard. I, 20 is standard. So you got your 6 mils, 20 MOA built into the actual rifle itself. We, we mile high shooting, every day I'm on the phone, every day I'm talking to customers, I see... Guns come in there with zero MOA, which to me is kind of an outdated thing. Yes, I'm like, very outdated. I'm like, why did they have zero MOA? Why isn't everybody putting 20 MOA in the rail? And what that 20 MOA is doing for you is, is canting your scope down so that you can actually use the dial elevation up. in your turret so you can dial up. We don't need down, we need up. And if you're using a 20 MOA, or 20 MOA base, you can, you can use separate rings or you can use a unimount or you can use all these different... Fancy ways to mount your scope onto the gun, but if you have zero MOA rail on your action, you're limited. You're limited to your options, and then you're going to have to spend more money to get that scope mounted properly or change your rail. With with the way magnific or not elevation is going with scopes today, you, like 26 mils on a Schmidt and Bender, you know you're in the same spot with Vortex and Night Force, but anything in that 90 to 100 MOA area. You can go half with your cant, so the 40, that would be 40 MOA cant, and that'll give you 100% of your elevation. But with a lot of these calibers we're shooting, you don't need that much angle, so 20 is that perfect medium to get you out, uh, you know, so that's what you're looking at. You want to definitely be in a zone 
where 20 is your bottom line, especially for these high uh, elevation scopes. And then from there, you can just go up if you're going to shoot farther. If you're creating an ELR rifle, you want a 45 MOA cant in your, uh, if not 60. Yeah, at a minimum. Right. And that's where those uh, those adjustables come in, like the ERA tax and things like that. But that's a different story. But you want 45 to get everything out of these high-end scopes. 20 is a perfect happy medium. 20 is a perfect happy medium. And you can, you can put... 40, 45 into a Schmitt, combination. Yeah, there's Schmitt, a bunch. Anything 90 or over. Of the, of the two numbers. So, and how do you get that combination? You get a unit mount. You get a sperm mount. A sperm mount, you can get 10 MOA. You can get 20. Mm -hmm. You can get 44. You well, because the 338 AIs are 30 MOA, right? On the Correct. Rear. So yeah. the, the three, well, You can get them with 20. We typically don't because it doesn't make any sense. sense so we just right. get them with 30. 30 is perfect. But you can do the 10 to give you that 40 to get the 100%, which is why they did a 10, because that's gonna take that 30 to 40, and 40 is dead center. So right. that's what you're looking at. So that just gives you an idea of when you're initially setting up your gun, you're getting something with a zero MOA rail on it. So and if you don't know what the MOA is, call the factory. Yeah. Just call the factory and find out what it is. Call me. Online. I'm gonna Go ask on Sniper's you. Side, man. Yeah. Oh, get if on you call me and ask me, I don't, know, I don't know your gun. Right. I don't know where you got it from. Just call the factory real quick, find out if you got a 20, 30, whatever, 5 MOA rail, and then that way we have a starting point of what we need to do to get you to where you're going. So I have a 6mm Creedmoor, 7.5 uh, twist on it, 22 inch with a 9 inch can and a 20 MOA rail, and to get to a mile, I have to dial 19 mils. There you go. But I can dial 19 mils because I have a 20 MOA rail. And all my rifles are zeroed at 100. All of them. Yes. All of them. Correct. Uh, and that, that zeroed, at 100. zeroed at 100. You gain, if you zero at 2, 3, 4, but you can still reach 100, you gain nothing. You got nothing extra by zeroing at distance except wind and environmental issues that will creep up in the, in the, in the shot, in the ballistics. Your ballistics aren't true because things will change. Where if you zero at 100... There's no environmentals. Your zero doesn't change uh, with the environmentals like that. There's no hardly no wind effect unless you're zeroing in a 15-mile-an-hour wind. And you can reach out to distance. Now, if you're going to do an ELR thing and your rifle won't zero at 100, well, then you gain something. But if your rifle will zero at 100 and you don't, you're not doing yourself any benefit. Kind of touched on suppressors. Let's talk about suppressors. suppressors. I love suppressors. I'm a fiend. With suppressors. I got more than... Guys, it's 2018. Yeah, grow up. <laughs> get a suppressor already. Get, get a, be civilized. Stop be being the heathen deplorables. So... <laughs> Fuck. Get a suppressor, man. Come on. We're, we're in our squad, what we had two guys in our squad the other day that didn't have suppressors. Normally what happens it is... It was drama. Yeah. Normally what happens is uh, I'll, I'll say, okay, we'll do the safety brief and everybody will get ready to go. We got 30 people. I'm like, all right, cool. Who's not running a suppressor? Put your hand up. And they put their hands up and they go, you're all in the squad. The rest of us go this way. Yes. So it's, it's nice to shoot with a suppressor. And I'm sorry if you live in one of the behind enemy lines in one of the communist states and you can't get a suppressor. I understand. I get it. I'm from one. We'll get into that in a later podcast. Yeah. But you go out, get a suppressor, wait the time. It is worth the time and worth the money. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, when you go out and, and you're behind the gun and you're shooting with your buddy 
and you're shooting out to distance and you need a correction, you're not yelling over your hearing protection. Trust me, my ears are shot. The VA looked at my ears and were like, dude, you're done. Nerve damage, no fix. But you can also get an idea of your impact as well, if you yes. did hit or not, because you may not be able to see it in your spotting scope. You may not be able to see it in your rifle scope if you got an impact and you don't know if the data that you just sent down there is correct. Mm -hmm. and, and, and here's one of the things, because there was a big debate on Facebook about accuracy differentials with the suppressor on versus off. You should always see some kind of an increase in accuracy or maintain your accuracy with one on versus one off. Now, point of aim shift is a completely different thing I'll talk about in a second. But accuracy should maintain. If it does not. If it's a good suppressor. Right. That's a problem. And I've seen that. I've actually had guys take their cans off and their accuracy improve. Now, why do you get an accuracy increase? Some people say, well, because the gases are getting moved out of the way. Yeah. It's you. We're sensitive to the sound. Mm. We're sensitive to the recoil. We're all sensitive to all these things that the suppressor will eliminate and remove our sensitivity to it. That we, you know, if you got a guy with a magnum and he's not doing too well and he can't get groups at 100 yards with this 300 wind mag, double ear protection. You'll do better. Just the the sensitivity of it is kind of what gets me, and it makes me think of I was talking to somebody who was listening to our podcast and they were listening to the one where we were out at the range mm -hmm. and they were driving down the road and they were changing yes, lanes. I heard that. Okay. And they're changing lanes and they heard one of the guns go off in the background because we were actually sitting in my Jeep. And uh, they were shooting in front of us. And they were shooting in front of us. And we were watching them talking to you guys and he heard a big loud thump and he thought it was something that hit happened. His car. Hit his car. So it just, that's it right mm -hmm. there is the sensitivity. So imagine that. Uh, you know, a thousand times fold, you're behind the gun, you're experiencing recoil, you're experiencing this loud noise. Uh, it's, it's distracting you from what you're yeah. supposed to be doing. My, my last class in Alaska, I had a guy, he, it was his second class with us. He's a good shooter, professional guide shooting a, a semi-auto and he shot it right. He, he was on it, but his groups weren't good at 200 yards. They were like a two inch group. And I'm watching him and watching him and watching him. I'm like, dude, it's not you. Take your can off for me. He took his can off and his group immediately went to a half minute because he had a bad can. And it was this spring-loaded, you know, QD mount that didn't work. And every time he mm, fired yeah, with we're recoil. Talk about mounts too. Yes. Every time he fired and recoiled, that spring would bounce on that QD mount. And it threw his shots off. Took that can off, got rid of it. You want direct mounts. I, I know like Mark up in Alaska sells Thunder Beast like crazy. He makes them all get the direct mount. Yes. So direct mount versus you know, QD, QD, if you want to call QD, that. They're not QD. They're yeah. hot. They're this. They're not. They're just um, a different way. All my cans are direct mount, direct thread. And the reason I do it is I, I start thinking about moving parts. Mm -hmm. So... You add more moving parts to the machine, you're going to have more problems. So, I mean, even down to you guys that are using Harris bipods, I'm using a Harris bipod right now too, so I'm not hating on you. I'm just saying if you don't click that out, you. if you don't click that out to the first notch, those springs in there are going to bounce your rifle around. So, you know, to alleviate that, alleviate that pressure and you're going to have less movement. So now you add a suppressor on there with a brake, you know, you're daisy chaining stuff together and... I feel like there's more moving parts. I'm not saying that it doesn't work. The Thunderbeast stuff is huge, phenomenal. Huge fan of Thunderbeast. 
All my cans are Thunder Beast for the most part. Just buy Thunder Beast. I mean, I have all of them. There's some good cans out there, uh, you know, but if you default to Thunder Beast, you're never going to lose. And they have every option from five to nine. The new, uh, the new one, the new PSR or ASR one is mm-hmm. is phenomenal. I can't wait for that to come out. And they have a hard use can as well for five mm-hmm. five six. That SBRs. one's really cool. It's a five five six takedown, which is super cool. We have a bunch of those that are ready to rock and roll. And suppressor wait times, and everybody's concerned about that. Well, if I just paid the two hundred dollars and and I could pick it up today, then I would Stop do it. Stop worrying about if, the Hearing Protection Act. If it's the not Hearing Protection happen. Act, we go through. Let, let me just clear that up right quick. So let's say. And it's not going through, but let's rewind three mm-hmm. months, okay? So the Hearing Protection Act was a huge question for us. And oh, well, what do you think is going to happen? Here's what's going to happen if a bill like that passes. You're not going to be able to find a suppressor anywhere. If you can buy it over the counter and people find out about it, they're going to buy it. And then if you can find one, well, it's going to go up They already price. solved the problem with the ATF. And they kind of – number one, the ATF is going to always want their money because they're making a ton. Well, then – Silencer Shop did that barcode, mm-hmm. which and made it even easier. Yep. So now, why would they even bother to make them legal when the barcode makes life and they're making all that money? There, it, it, it's don't sweat that. Just get the suppressor, take the dive, let the the thing play out, and go that route. Once you get your first one, after that they're all gravy, man. You wait for that first one, you Jones a little bit. Then when you buy them after that, it, it's it's a piece of cake because you got your one, mm-hmm. and then you can kind of play around with it. But for me, I went with the longest suppressor I could get for the most, you know, to to you could put soak on anything. up that volume. You could put on anything. Yeah. So the 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 longest it, I got an Ultra Nine, mm-hmm. and then in thirty cal. That way I can move it around to all these different guns. And that is uh, maybe a big question for you guys is well, if it's a suppressor, can I only use it on one gun? No, my last. You can move uh, it around. In the last podcast, I talked about my seven wisdom at ASC. That had a three thirty eight can on it. So I, I was bet shooting. You that was quiet. Yeah, I was shooting a seven millimeter, but in a three thirty eight can, and it was it's it's phenomenally accurate, and it sounds great. So you got steel cans out there. You got titanium cans mm-hmm. out there. What what um, are we using? I like the Inconel Center with the uh, titanium wrapper. It's weight, it's barrel harmonics, it's hanging something where you get your point of aim shift on it. So the lighter you can get, the better it is within reason. I've seen some cans that are too light and too have cracked. Um, I won't mention names, but there are some cracked wrappers out there happening uh, because the can's way too light for what's going on. So you want that happy medium and proven cans. If you're a hard use guy, if you're a AR guy and you're and you're kicking in doors and you're doing all that stuff, doing mag dumps, you do surefire. Surefires are bulletproof. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Heavier can, bulletproof, all that. You know, if you're a precision rifle guy, it's Thunder Beast. I mean, those are precision rifle shooters who designed a suppressor. You know, that's the kind of direction you want to go. Think of cans are, are and don't forget you want a cover with the suppressors. So we got you, you get your suppressor, you, you want to get a cover. What I'm using right now is a tab gear suppressor cover. And what that's doing for you as the end user is as you're looking through your scope, you shoot about 10, 12, 15 rounds, you're going to start experiencing some heat coming off that suppressor. And it's going to add to the mirage of the day. So you want to be able to cover that up. But when you're zeroing, Make sure you're not just zeroing with the suppressor and then putting the suppressor cover on. Zero with the suppressor cover on. Put Shoot. the whole thing. Yeah, put, put it all together. In, if you custom order it, 
have it be about a quarter of an inch back from the end. I don't recommend you put the suppressor cover all the way over the end cap of your suppressor. It creates at times, depends on your can now, it's not all of them. This is more, you know, kind of rule of thumbish. Is it creates a false crown and you can get flyers and you'll see the burn marks on the cover to where those kind of gases are, are creating these valleys. In, so when you get a cover, have it back from the edge just a little tiny bit, and then it goes over the back so it doesn't slide forward and come off. Yep, and then you won't have to call a ceasefire and go 30 yards downrange <laughs> to, get your your, cover. to get your cover Because you shot it down. But the, you can custom order a lot of these suppressor covers. So when you do, make sure that you, you, you measure your can, remove a quarter of an inch, and order it that way. So uh, you want it off the back, not off the front. Accessories. Ex so we're, we've kind of went from, to the, from the rear to the front. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground. We've talked about the rifle a little bit. We've talked about how we want to get it actually into the chassis or stock. We've talked about the optics. We've talked about mounting solutions. Um, I'm going to go with, with a quick little pet peeve of mine. It's buy a data book. Everybody defaults to their phones and their software, and then you read every other, oh, my phone crashed, I lost all my data. Get a data book. A data book is, is a cheap insurance you know, for your rifle and your dope. Uh, I highly recommend the data books. We, they make uh, impact data books, has Sniper's Hide Edition data uh, pages and things like that. See Tony at Impact Data Books. They're well worth the couple bucks you're going to pay to have that stuff backed up. I even just did a a new template for your ballistic computer where you take your, your data for your ballistic computer, you put it in this single data book page and you have it. So if you have to recreate something, it's there. You can true everything right from the page. You can do what you need to do, but then you can put that data into your computer and get it to work. But a data book is one. And then I guess you could talk slings and rear bags and stuff like that. I'm going to hit up bipods real quick. Okay. Do bipod. That's everywhere. Yep. Um, Harris, Atlas, everybody's making something. Elite Iron. I'm a fan of yep. the Elite Iron. For guys who, are, who shoot prone, who are learning, who, who, who don't want to cant their rifle, get an Elite Iron. Yep. If you're, whatever you're getting, <laughs> I was like, what's going on? The battery died in the GoPro. With whatever you're getting, have cant in your bipod. Yes. And there's actually, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it here in a few minutes. There's a video that Steve Arata from the Mile High Training Detachment, he did a video on bipods and what's important about them, uh, the difference between the, the Atlases and the Harrises and, and having Cant. And he actually wrote an article too, which they're going to share on Detachment, which we'll share on the Everyday Sniper. So you guys can take a look at that. But it, I, I don't want to you know, take away from the meat and potatoes of what he's doing, but when you're choosing a, a bipod, Choose one. Obviously, it's going to work for you. And when you go with the Atlas, you have, I think you have a lot of adjustability, whether you're shooting off of a rooftop, shooting prone. It, you have, you know, you can angle the legs 45. It's flexible. Yeah, it's, it's, it's flexible. Yeah. Where, where you're shooting with a Harris. I guess adaptability. It's, it's right. spring-loaded. Yeah, mm -hmm. adaptability. So it's spring-loaded. So you got springs on the ends uh, that I kind of touched on a little bit that, that make you bounce if you're fully collapsed. So take it out one notch. And then you also have springs that keep those legs up. Yeah. And I've had Harris's where the legs were uneven in, until you notch them out. Right. So um, 
that's one of the things to look at where they, they kind of the way they mount them in that piece underneath, they're not always perfectly square and, and even, and that's what causes people's rifles to bounce around because they're, they're off um, center or off square. And I also like to have an, uh, a bipod that has a quick detach on it. Yeah, I like that too. So if you're running a Picatinny rail, I run my bipod as far out as, as I possibly can. So mm -hmm. if I'm shooting off of a short piece of cover, yeah, I got to move my bipod back. And we'll talk about those accessories here in a second, but I got to move my bipod back. But if I'm, if I can totally sprawl out, I'm going to run it all the way all to the way end out. so that I, I feel like the center of balance, I, I can be the It's physics, man. It, you know, it's less movement in the, if you, the farther out you put your bipod towards the end of the muzzle, the less influence the back of the stock has in the front so if you put it in dead center in the middle you know it, it, if you move the back you move the front if you move it out if you move the back a little tiny bit while you're shooting it doesn't translate into a blown shot because you're all the way out that's why we run them out so far another thing i have on my rifle is a hoptics quiver yeah, so the, little, the plastic clip. I got in trouble for that. Did, did, did you hear the story? Did you see that no. when I did that? No. Oh, I got in trouble because I so, somebody, when I was one of the first ones that had the Hoptic Quiver on my Hoptic rifle. USA. Yeah. Matt Stoner, awesome dude. He came into the shop. We had a bunch of time to talk and actually get to know him and the company a little bit more. And they're they're going to be doing some cool stuff for us. But so it's 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 a built product. It's a machine. The whole thing. So people were like, well. I, I spend that when I can get the short action precision little nylon velcro sticky thing mm -hmm. and put it on the side of the rifle and I made it was a joke I made a joke that you know why would I stick uh something that cheap on my AX why would you joke like that I know you? oh my god I offended so everybody jumped in my shit because I made a joke <laughs> about the, the the well machining and built of the hoptic versus the little nylon thing. I'm so it, glad you have such broad shoulders, yeah. man. In this industry, I'm telling you, you man. Say, you say one thing, it can be blown it, out it, of proportion, it, just like anything else. But it, just it, Mike sees me after all this. Here and now, tell them how much I laugh when people start piling on me over this stuff. I, I've honestly, I've never seen you get mad. No, and it's it's funny to watch. I'm laughing at you. Yeah, it's. It's basically that. I yes. Mean, like when we, we have a conversation about it, we're sharing it with everybody right now. I might as well talk about it. But it, he he gives you the meat and potatoes of what's going on. This guy jumped my shit. Mm -hmm. And then we have a good laugh about it. And then we move on with our day. It's yes. not something that's going to I don't dwell on it. Yet. I don't take it personally. I mean, when there's something. Have... And people personal attack me like it's going out of style. Like, it, you know, guys who don't know me think they're offending me by calling me short. And there's, a, I got the last laugh. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, you got me. We get it. You yeah. know, you don't agree with something, you don't agree with something. Dude, I'm, I'm just being silly. You know, that's all it is. I, I, I don't, I don't care what you put on yeah. your rifle. It's all fun. It's yours. You so know, a lot. Speaking of putting stuff on the rifle, since we're already talking about it, everybody's going towards this mounted on a tripod deal. Yeah. So you have the really right stuff adapters that are all coming out. HRD, Dan Hansen. Uh, hard gear is, uh, is we're going to talk. We actually did an interview with Dan, but he was wearing a wire to try to trap me. Yeah. So he Sorry, had some, Dan. so he had some static in his uh, interview. So we killed it. We're going to do a new one, but talk about his gear. Cause it's good. Yeah. It's uh precision made, obviously just like everything else that we promote is precision made, precision made. You're going to spend a little bit of money uh, to get the right stuff. And I'm always going to say, I want my gear to carry me. I don't want to have to carry my gear and, and try to force it to work. So this is one of those things where you have a mounting solution where you can 
get some really right stuff equipment and equip your Atlas, your Harris. They got a bunch of different bipod adapters. And I was talking about shooting off of a short piece of cover. So our PRS shooters and our NRL shooters that are out there, they're shooting for competition. You may have to shoot off of a hay bale and that hay bale may only be two feet long. Right. You slide that bipod back. You can actually get up on that hay bale and get a rear bag. Balance the bipod to the pistol grip. Right. And you're good. You know, you can kind of put your rear bag under your pistol grip. And have your, your bipod move back off the front in, in more so you can bridge that gap with those two pieces of, of contact and you're, you're golden. So I'm talking about a quick detach where this, you don't even have to detach it from the rifle if you don't want to. Nope, you just can just, slide it. You can just loosen it up, slide it back, tighten it back up, and you're back in the fight. It, it, it's, it's adding that really right stuff dovetail and then adding the uh, attachment to your bipod and then you can just slide it and you don't have to take it on and off. It slides. It's nice. Another thing I like, I just want to mention it is, um, the send it levels. Yes. Those are actually really nice for, I'm not a level fan and, and I've gone into big dis- debate about levels and I have a whole podcast on levels. I'm not going to get uh, today, but that send it level. People were asking me about a good level for, he, he there was a, a, it just happened within the last week or so. Somebody was creating a bench rest rifle and something and wanted a really sensitive level. And they were like, should I buy the flat line, this one, that one? And it's like, no, you want the electronic ones to send it because that's where your sensitivity is going to win versus these, those bubbles in there. Go on Amazon. You can get the bubble insert for $6. Then they put that $6 bubble level in a $150 wrapper and act like they're doing you a favor. Okay, this send it level is a purpose built thing. It's sensitive, it's good, it has multiple mounting options. You don't have to mount it horizontal, you can mount it vertical and it works the same. And that's a key feature because now it's not sticking out as far and it's got the lights. So you're going into electronic level. So let's say um, those levels that you were just talking about on Amazon, Mm -hmm. right? And then you put it in that $150 wrapper and then you attach it to your Picatinny rail. Is every single Picatinny rail? No, you don't want, here's safety tip. And like I said, levels is a whole podcast by itself. You want them on a scope tube. And I'll talk about that later. Not on your rail. Levels belong on the scope. The good thing about the send it level is you can actually adjust the, the, the sensitivity of it. So what that means for you is wherever you put it, you can adjust that level. So it's going to level itself basically. Mm-hmm. And you'll have a true level versus a maybe it's really close level. Yeah, You got to remember between those lines from left to right is like 0.8 degrees. And it's an LED light. On a, on a bubble level. On the a light is better. The light, I really like the light because mm-hmm. I can mount that straight up and down. Yes. On the, on the side. And I can see it just under my side focus on my scope. So I mount it forward of that. And then, uh, it, and people behind me can see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna invest in a level, the, the send it level is is one I highly recommend. Um, in in again, we're gonna do a whole level class because I have I have a lot of opinion about levels, and so that's just where we're, what we'll uh, we'll talk about. What else do we have as far as equipment goes? Rear bags. That, yes, invest in a rear bag. Definitely do that. Um, I Kestrel. use the the, the, the tab. Uh, I'm a Kestrel fan in a lot of ways. You know, I don't know if you have to necessarily go to a Kestrel 5700 for a lot of people who might be listening. I actually recommend to a lot of people to find a 4500 and get get an older model 4500. I'm I'm using a 4500 horse. Yeah. 
Um, if you want software in it, find the older one and, and get that. It, but you, you know, there again, we could talk software for days. And if you don't know what a Kestrel is, it's basically taking all your environmentals and plugging mm-hmm. it and helping you because your boat's going to do something different if it's cold outside. It's going to do something different if it's hot outside. The temperature, the barometric pressure, density, altitude, all this stuff is going to come into play and it's going to start uh, weighing you down or lifting you up. I probably have like five Kestrels. So, you know, two with software and the other three without, I'm never without a Kestrel. If you have one with software, you're able to enter all your data from your gun. So your that bore height that we were talking about. It's one tool. Basically, you don't have to carry, you don't have to take your phone out. Because I I don't know about you guys, but um, Mike can tell you, if we're out here in the summer and we're shooting at our range and your phone's laying out, as soon as you, it's cooked. As soon as you look over at it, it's it's toast. You got to stick it in the car in the air conditioning. So that's why the Kestrels work out really good, especially if you shoot in the high heat like we do in the summer. You can capture direction. You can capture your wind, your low-end wind, your high-end wind. And it plugs it into this program where you can say, okay, I want to get out of the truck. I want to shoot 600 yards right now just to check my dope. You can pull out your Kestrel. It'll take all the environment into play, and it'll say at 600 yards, this is what you need to dial for. And yeah. then you, you get down behind the gun, you dial for you pull the trigger. And then you know the rest is on you. So I think a Kestrel... To me, I don't go to the range without one no. because I, I just constantly update it. I don't, I don't really use my phone. And when I'm on my phone, I use Ford off the Hornady yep. stuff because it's it gives me different information because that is uh, based off the Doppler effect versus... They, they, they attack the problem. And again, software is a completely, you know, probably three podcasts for software. But Hornaday attacks the problem different. You don't true with muzzle velocity in BC. They don't even use BC. It's form factor. And everything's based off Doppler. And I will tell you, I shot off a Hornaday's Doppler. We shot my 21-inch 260, my 1.5 AW, and I was shooting the 136 Cenar at Hornaday. And they tracked at their it, range. At their range, and they tracked my bullet to 2,200 yards. And don't they do it every four inches or so? It's it's just tracked. I mean, he can create farther tracks if he has to, but they tracked my bullet and they put that in their system out to 2,200. This isn't a custom curve. This isn't a special. You can retrue your BCs and you can do all this other stuff, but they use form factor. And because that barrel was so short, you had to bump up the form factor where my 300 Win Mag, which is a 24-inch barrel, was shooting their bullet pretty much at standard velocity and standard everything. We used the zero where I had to use a plus one for the shorter barrel and form factor. But Hornaday's doing it right. Hornaday's doing a very good job. And it's Uh, free. It's free. Yeah, it's a free app. Just download it. And it's on your computer online, free. It's on your phone, free. So those are... Uh, two things to look at. The next thing, <laughs> the next thing I want to just bring up real quick is a chronograph. Having a, a good chronograph to get that initial data so mm-hmm. that you can plug into these ballistic engines. So you got magneto speed is a top one. You got lab radar is yeah. the top one. Now here's well. the thing: if you're using applied ballistics, if you're using shooter, if you're using ballistics AE, you can almost skip the chronograph because those things are going to change the number by as much as 100 feet per second anyway. But the chronographs give me a starting point. Now, if you're using a Hornaday, a Traceol, or something like that, cold bore field firing solution, the data you get from the chronograph, you're going to put in your software and you're not going to change it. So that's one of the differences where software falls with a chronograph. But if you're serious, if you're reloading, if you're serious about shooting long range, you want a chronograph. You need a chronograph. Yeah. That, that data I have, is crucial. 
eight of them, I think. Oh, right. <laughs> I, I have the Oler, the PVM 21. I have the CED M2 or 3, whatever number that is. I have Magneto Speeds, Lab Radars. I have the Two Box Chrono. I've played with them all. So definitely, um, Magneto is your best bang for the buck. It's going to be right. It's going to be there. It really is. And I had someone just a little confused about it. Uh, one day he came in and he was like, well, which one's more accurate? They're not. I was like, I, I'm not. What do you mean? What do you mean by more I, accurate? He was doing it's like, well, when you, put, when you put a Magneto speed on your gun, it's less accurate. No, it's not. I'm like, but what do you mean? I think what he was getting to was that you put the magneto speed he on the gun. He thinks it's affecting the harmonics and right. barrel. People are bitch about that who reload, and it's that's not. It's not the same for every barrel. It's not the same for every rifle. What the offset is, it doesn't mess with accuracy. It just might move your point of aim shift because the shock wave is kind of rising off the bayonet. Exactly, but that's not what you're there for. You're just trying mm -hmm. to get muzzle velocity. Right. It's a starting point for muzzle velocity. If you don't true that stuff out the distance, that's yeah. your own fault. I, I love a lab radar, but I broke mine twice. And just with the wind, knocked it over the second time. The, the first time I broke it, I was changing the batteries, and it slid off the bumper of my car, um, like the back of my SUV. And it just slid and hit on the ground, on the dirt. It wasn't on concrete. It wasn't on rocks. It just slid on the ground, on the dirt. It broke, sent it back. They charged me 35 bucks to fix it. It was back in a week. All good. I was doing a class with Alan from Machine Gun Tours and a pro mountain biker guy. We chronographed his rifle with the lab radar. I have it on the tripod. I moved it to the side as we were shooting again. Wind came up, 20, 24 mile an hour wind, knocked it, over, it over, tipped it over right off the tripod, broke it again. It's 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 touchy, but it's good. I like it. The to, data that you get off of it is good. Is good. Because I'll run it. So take I'll, care of your equipment. Yeah, don't be frank. <laughs> don't be frank. I'll just turn it on and let it run while I shoot things, and I'll get like 40, 50 shots through it. But when I want something and I just need to get a number, I'm, I'm magneto speed 100%. So getting out to the range, what we need right now is we need a rifle, a good optic, uh, a good bipod, a chronograph, some type of ballistic engine, soft goods. We need a rear bag. Mm -hmm. so, rear bag, sling, mat. Okay. I'm, I'm a Tab Gear fan. I am too. I love Tony cross and April tech Burks. Too. I'm using a lot of Cross Tech right now. Yep. I love Tony tap, and April Burks. Tap. They, they're very. First off, they're good people. Straight up, mm -hmm. they are good people, and I love them to death. And we're gonna hopefully see them here in the next couple of days. Uh, they should be at our booth 7502 at Shot Show. Um, another up and coming guy that's local to Colorado is uh, Trous. Yep, Trous. So Stuart Op Jordan from Trous. He makes a really good rear bag. He had, we had, we carry multiple of his rear bags. He they're does just, the puff pillows yeah, up the, here. The big ones, they're lightweight he and they're custom nice. made me my pillow that's long and mm -hmm. thinner for the the barricade stuff. So we have those um, or not trous, but uh, tab gear. What I'm using personally is their straight lace bag. Yeah. So I like the capabilities. You have three different heights. It's really light. It actually, a couple of years ago when I got when I got one. It replaced like three or four bags in my inventory and lightened up my load. Yeah, I'm a Tab Gear fan, big time. And I've known Tony forever. We helped design a lot of his stuff. My He, he came into existence because I was shooting uh, Badlands in Oklahoma, the red clay. I did a 44-hour sniper match. It was continuous. You're out in the field living, pretending you're Joe Sniper, and it was this whole thing. And my rifle was trashed. I mean, it was muddy and the red clay everywhere. Guys, if you've ever been to Oklahoma, you know it's a mess. 
And so Tony said, well, why didn't you have it in a drag bag or do anything this? And at the time, it was really just sort of the Blackhawk or the Eagle Deluxe drag bags. We had to move and do land nav. A lot of movement. Every every hour we were Dude, doing... Dude, I'm a land nav ninja. Yeah, me too, man. By, by I, the way. Okay. <laughs> and that's the thing is you couldn't have the rifle in that and carry it that kind of distance. It was awkward and it was uncomfortable. So you slung your rifle normal. And that's when Tony designed the cover the rifle cover that fit to the rifle versus a drag bag because of that mud and dirt and everything in Oklahoma. And then from there, uh, when we were down at Rifles Only, we did the slings, the bags, the suppressor covers. The covers came from Jason Bainey, actually. Give him props. But um, all that stuff from the very beginning, we've been friends with Tony. So good stuff. And what I really like about that is when you – I've actually ordered a couple uh, rifle covers from him. They will get the specifics. It's not just like you one measure size your rifle. Yeah, it's not a one size fits all. Uh, no safe things either. If you're putting like me, my safes are over full. Um, if you're throwing your rifles in the safe, you don't get the safe things. So if you have a really nice rifle, those covers will keep them clean and not getting dinged up. If you're worried about that kind of thing, so that's another pro for the covers. So yeah, um, nylon is good. Um, all that stuff. Rear bag must sling a must a mat if you need it. Capgear makes a yeah a the, load of slings out mm -hmm. there. One of their uh, really cool ones that I like is the if, the PRS. Sling. If you're a match guy, you want a, a, a puff pillow mm -hmm. of some kind, um, and then like I said, software. That's going to be a whole thing for podcasts. That's going to be a, like like a three day. Yeah, that'll be a three three. There's podcasts. so much stuff out there and so much ground to cover. And we wanted uh, before we got out to Shot Show booth seventy five hundred two. Before we got out there. Frank and I, you know, we sat down, we we're texting each other and we we're like, we've been talking to a lot of people and, you know, getting these interviews done and kind of giving you history on where we're coming from and what we're doing and what we want to do with you guys. And we, we want to get into the original reason why we started the Everyday Snipers, talk about the guns and talk about the equipment. How we're doing it, how we're running stuff. I yeah. mean, we get questioned every day. I mean, I have... It's funny because you'll get guys, we laugh about, um, BJ, you listening? BJ Gambang, <laughs> yeah. my man. He, 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 he texts me and then he calls Jordan, you know, yeah. and it, it's, it's one of those things. So there's some guys out there who, who are asking us, you know, we're building guns for him. So we might as well tell you what we're doing so you can kind of determine what works for you. Yeah, if you're looking to get into this sport, we're giving you a starting point. If you're already mm -hmm. in the sport, you know, maybe we're clearing a few things up for you. Either way. Here's my motivation for guys. And I don't say this enough and people don't realize it. I'm trying to save you money. I'm doing these things because I'm going to say, well, if you do this, it's going to be better the first time instead of trying to trip through it. People ask, well, why did you do the Ruger upgrade video if there's nothing wrong with it? Why did you do the Tika upgrade video if there's nothing wrong with it? I'm doing it because I can, and it doesn't cost me the money it will cost you. Now, if you burn out your barrel on your 6.5 Ruger or your Tika, I can tell you this barrel works good. Swap it out for this. If you want a different stock on your Ruger, this stock works good. You know, that kind of stuff. So I'm going through all these motions so I can save you money. It's better that I have the problem, make the mistake, than you have to buy something that costs a thousand bucks twice. Yeah, and That's I'm gonna my be motivation. upfront with you. I'm gonna be upfront with you. My job is to sell things, and I do. I'm I'm very good at it. When you come into the shop, and those of you who are listening to this that know me, I'm telling you straight up. Here's what I would do if I were you. 
and I've been in that position where I was you and I've taught and I've told people, hey, I would love to sell you this, but you're going to be pissed at me down the road. Right. I want you to come back. I want you to be part of the family. So I'm going to tell you, yeah, you may want to move in this other direction and try this. And it may be a, a more affordable option, but you're going to make that up in grief at some point. Understand the sponsored guys. They're promoting their sponsored product. This is Mile High Shooting Accessories and Sniper's Hide. We have, we can't be bought. I, we, if we it don't work, I'm not yeah, doing it. We have the equipment. We can't be bought like some, some other folks that are out there. And we want to get you the bang for your buck and what's going to last you the longest and keep you in this sport. That's our job. Yeah. I mean, you may see me use something. I may be trying it to see how it works, but there's certain go-to items that we're talking about here, like a Thunder Beast suppressor. That's a go-to item. I have over 30 suppressors I own. I have so many, you, you, more than probably your own local SOT down there. I'm telling you Thunder Beast because I've used them all, and that's your best bang for the buck when it comes to precision rifle stuff. You know, if you're telling me you want to be a door kicker with an AR, well, I'll tell you Surefire, you know, that kind of stuff. But... I'm giving you the, what I think is a best practice versus just trying to spend your money. Yeah, How that's, about that? that's the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. Guys, you're listening to The Everyday Sniper. This is Mike with Mile High Shooting. And Frank from Sniper's Hide. And we're trying to give you the best information possible. If you guys have any questions, please hit us up on Facebook. I see a lot of comments on Podbean. I try to get to them when I can. Uh, we got a lot of good questions coming up on Facebook, and and, and that's where we're kind of I'm, I'm centralizing this stuff so that Podbean app, Facebook, Snipers Hide. You mile, can ask us any of those. Yep, mile high shooting, mile high shooting detachment, Snipers Hide. Uh, come check us out. See it again. A shameless plug. See us at Shot Show. We'll, we're more than happy to give you a high five and throw some gangster signs for some pictures. And uh, we're, we're out there to have a good time and, and get the, the information out to you. Thanks for tuning in. That, that was a long episode, I know, but thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, it was a great time, and we're going to have some more cool stuff coming up. Shop. Later.